at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Now get five years no interest plus five months no first payment. But only through December 31st. Set your free consultation today at PellaWI.com radio or call 855-PELLA-WI. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Morris. Welcome to Monday Afternoon. Welcome inside the show. Jeff is out. Scott is in. I've got you till 3 o'clock today. Today being MLK Day, it's it's one of those holidays where things just seem a little bit off. I mean, if, if you're in the office like we are, it is a bare-bones staff. You turn on television and there's college basketball is on right now at 12.11 in the afternoon. We're going to have a Bucks game at 5 o'clock. It reminds me of the holiday week, those two weeks right at the end of the year where everything just seems different and off and the markets are closed and the banks are closed and things like that. But we are here. That is the one constant. Baseball, except when there's a lockout, and WTMJ. Right? What did James Earl Jones say? Yes, that is the constant, and we have you till 3 o'clock. I wasn't joking right there with Stephen Carroll during our little crosstalk segment. I wasn't joking. The headline reads, How long can humans survive? Subheadline, This time of uh, plenty won't last forever. Yeah. Scott, can you be a little more optimistic on this? Monday afternoon. The article starts, In the deep ocean, occasionally a whale carcass falls to the bottom of the sea. Most of the time, in the state of nature, creatures have just about enough to survive. But the first creatures to find the whale have more food than they could ever eat. These scavengers live lives of extraordinary plenty. Some of the smaller, faster-breeding species might do so for several generations. There is enough to go around a thousand times over for a while. So I think they're saying that we are the, we are the, we are the whale. No, we are those who feast on the whale carcass. I'm not going to get into that real deeply here. I really am not. There is something though that is less than optimistic. And for those of you who know me, we do do silly stuff from time to time. We have some fun, and we will before three o'clock. I, I try to always uh, have a little fun, a little entertainment. But, and maybe you can help me with this, we are at yet another point in time in the city of Milwaukee where in a short time span, there is an accumulation of news that is bad, that is awful, quite frankly. And it, it presents a frustration, I think, among those of us who either live in the city or nearby, one of the nearby suburbs, as I do. But I think about what we've seen over the last couple of weeks, last 10 days, whatever it's been, the Burger King robbery, murder of the 16-year-old girl, and as we talked about on Friday when we found out some details in the criminal complaint, that maybe the 
girl who lost her life was involved in that robbery, an inside job. Just a really sad, I think, angry, angry story. I think that's how a lot of people reacted. You have the car jacking uh, outside the the Shake Shack in the Third Ward, where a heroic effort by an off-duty police detective or police officer got him shot, and hopefully he'll he'll be okay. Looks like he'll be okay. Then over the weekend, the story of an eight-year-old killed, and it uh, it's a slow burn. I think for me, that flares up every once in a while when we have news like this. And it's news like this, I think, that continue to set back the city of Milwaukee. It's stories like these that will continue this backslide for the city. And as I know Jeff has talked about a lot over the years, and unfortunately more so in recent years. It's the negative stories, but stories, mind you, that, well, cancel out so much of the good. You think about stories of business opening up downtown. The Avenue with their big opening late last week, right? And that's certainly an exciting thing. But all you need, and I've said this so many times before, all you need is that one story. All you need is that one instance of wrong way driver, reckless driver, runs a stoplight, runs an intersection, T-bones somebody, kills somebody. All you need is that one story. Or the Burger King robbery. Inside job, girl dies. Carjacking, gone wrong. Cop shot. Eight-year-old killed by gunfire. All you need is any one of those, right? And it, it, I cannot put into words the impact that that has on the reputation of the city, on the image of the city, for people who live in the city, for people who live around the city, and it should upset you that it does. It ruins, it completely, as I like to say, it erases all the good of a ribbon cutting. I put that just in terms of any positive story in the city. Ribbon cuttings, gone because of that. People don't remember, oh, that's right, the Avenue, they had the big reopening. Last week. No, but they remember the Burger King story or the Shake Shack or the eight-year-old over the weekend. And here's, here's a real litmus test. How do, you, how, how do you feel about it? How do you react to that? Because if you get upset, then at least you still care about it. If you don't react, if you have no response, no reaction... You go, eh, you know what we call that? Just another weekend in Milwaukee. And it's, it's, in essence, a shoulder shrug for you. That means, I think in some ways, you've stopped caring. Apathy, right? Apathy, in many ways, is the worst reaction to have for something like this because you've given up. You don't care anymore. But... We're in another period, and 
There will probably be another stretch of time here in the not-too-distant future where there will be a bevy of stories again that should upset you, that do upset me, and I don't know, quite candidly, I don't know how to fix it. If I did, I probably wouldn't be doing this. I would be doing something else, (laughs) getting paid more. (laughs) But what do you do? Nobody knows. Nobody. They, they have ideas. It's the breakdown of the family. Okay. How do you fix down the break? How do you fix the breakdown of the family unit? And is that solution going to turn around here in, in 2022, Kyle? We are going to fix the family unit in Milwaukee, and by God, by 2023, we will be good. Uh, no. Sounds good. Feels good. I feel better for saying it, but that doesn't do anything. I mean, is it true? Probably. But I don't know how you turn around that aircraft carrier. Is it, well, the courts have got to be, our our judicial system has got to be stricter. It's got to be more stringent. It's too lax. It's too lenient. All right, so we're going to lock, just lock more people up. Lock more people up. Is that really... Does that really solve Milwaukee's problem in the grand scheme of things to lock more people up? Or does it simply create other issues in terms of, all right, where do we put everybody? And I don't have the answer. Nobody has the answer. If they had the answer, the solution to get us to that answer would have been implemented long ago. I have no idea what the answer is. But I think in some ways, in some ways... You can start at a more granular level, and that is when wrong actions are normalized, when improper and illegal behavior is the norm for you and for your surroundings, I think that is the start. That is the beginning. Is that the old broken windows theory of, of fighting crime? Maybe. I don't know. And I want to I get into that a little bit because there have been little things, granular things, everyday actions in the city of Milwaukee that I have witnessed, I imagine that many of you have witnessed as well, that normalize a certain degree of behavior. And as time goes by, that behavior, commonplace, what's next? Well, the next step up, a little bit more, is normalized. I'll get into that when we come back. I'm going to talk through this for just a second because, look, I could throw open the phone lines, quite frankly, and say, what's wrong with the city of Milwaukee? 855-616-1620, Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And we could go, I could spend an hour, we might do three hours, listing everything wrong with Milwaukee. Like, it's okay to gripe and complain and point out and harp on, et cetera, et cetera. But it doesn't get us anywhere. It doesn't. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to, well, find the root cause of a lot of the criminal behavior in this city.
And I think it starts with, again, the normalcy of activity that is anything but normal. Scott and for Jeff, we'll continue on WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I hope folks understand. I, I hope you understand where I'm going here. What I what I want out of a conversation, um, because. To be honest, the lack of texts, <laughs> and it could be on me for not setting it up well enough or enticing you to call, and the lack of calls, I think, speaks to an apathy. Um, it was always said to me that there was, I remember Charlie Sykes used to say this many times, that when he started here at TMJ back in the early 90s and into the mid-90s, as, as, as his show grew, he would talk about the education in the city and talk about MPS. And I remember vividly him always saying, man, there was a time when I could talk about the MPS issues and education in Milwaukee, and we would have full phone lines. But as his career went on, as Charlie's show evolved, as years went on, we could talk about MPS and get no calls or no texts. And what did that show? That just showed an overall malaise and apathy about the topic. And I think it's some ways just an exhaustion. You kind of throw your hands up and go, I don't know. I mean, am I, am I upset about it? Does it bother me? Yes. But am I so motivated so as to, to think and try to come up with solutions? I give up. And I wonder, I wonder how long before that happens in terms of the city of Milwaukee and and the criminal behavior that we see, and the crime that we see. My guess is it's not too far away because of our frustration. But it's it's just a constant. The issues of the last couple of weeks, another example where we go through these time periods where you have this crime burst, as it were, and I felt that this morning when I was reading about that eight-year-old who was shot and killed um, over the weekend. And I think back to the Shake Shack carjacking and, and everything that's you know came of that with the detective being shot. And the Burger King story really ticked me off on Friday when we learned more of the details of the criminal complaint. And there are little things that allow those stories to, in time, become normal just another week in Milwaukee, and I don't know what the solution is, and I don't know that anybody really does. Uh, Chris in New Berlin. Hello, Chris. Good afternoon. Hey, how are you doing today? I'm kind of frustrated, I'll be honest with you. about everything. Well, let's do something about that. Instead of complaining about all the negatives, and I'm not going to give someone a break for doing the stuff that they shouldn't do, right. but what's missing in any given city, especially depressed areas, is hope, a mm. future, something that makes sense. You hear Bernie spouting about free college for all with $250,000 free for an art history degree. It doesn't help anyone, and they won't pass anyway. But if you take a look at targeted areas like economically depressed, for $10,000 total, you can pay for every class at WCTC and come on with a degree in nursing or carpentry or welding. Target the inner city areas and say from fourth grade on, if you do three things, one, don't get arrested, two, pass a drug test, and three, graduate high school, you will get a free college degree. We'll pay for it. 
WCTC. You'll come out of there after two or four years with a welding certificate, a carpentry, and you can make a career out of that. That is giving someone early on hope, direction, not that expensive. It's an investment in the future of the entire city, and their next generation, their kids can do a full four-year degree on their dime if they choose to, but this gives someone from early age hope Mm -hmm. as opposed to, I got nothing to live for, why not go and carjack a car? It's good points. You make uh, you you make good points, Chris. Because I don't know about you, but for many people, um, regardless of of their status or situation, economic, uh, family, or whatever, hope drives them. Right? Hope is what uh, 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 is is what gets a lot of people up in the morning. They may not like where they're working. They may not like uh, being in the school they're in, whatever it might be, however old they are. But it's it's that hope that, yeah, but I'm working towards this. Or, well, I've applied for this job, that job, and that job. And I, hopefully, one of those breaks for me and I can get out of the situation that I'm in right now. Hope fuels so much. And regardless of who you are, where you are in society, and for for people that just don't have it or have given up on the um uh, on the chance that they could get hope that is is that's a big part of it that motivates that's a big motivator for a lot of people in society it certainly does and giving someone a very clear direction look it's three simple things and here's your path you can come out with your degree wctc your choice it's a real career you're making 50 to 70 a year mm-hmm. that is a way out of whatever you're looking at right now it's very simple we will foot the bill you take a look at a philanthropist and say you know you do- donate 5 million dollars or whatever and how many divide that by 10,000 how many kids are you basically giving a degree in something to up the next generation in a city and then it starts to spread from there and right. i'm talking about city funding it, it has to start yeah, thanks, Chris. I got I got to let you fly. Good points. It, 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 look, four year college isn't for everybody, but whether it's tech school, the trades, it's a start. It would be a good start, and um, you got to start somewhere. You got to start sometime, right? And uh, let's hope we find that. I don't know if that's a message necessarily that uh, I intended to tie in here on MLK Day, but I. In light of what has happened in this city over the last couple of weeks, I think realizing that the the option of hope for so many in this city would be a good start to get them pointed in the right direction. Plan to go to school, plan for that exam, rather than plan for a carjacking, a robbery, or something along those lines. Hope would be a good driver. That's a good start. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Appreciate those uh, sentiments. Got a number of text messages that echoed what Chris said and applauded what Chris said in his in his phone call. Any politician, I know we got to get the news here, Melissa Stanley, by any politician, whether it's acting mayor, is he acting or interim? I don't know. Cavalier Johnson. <laughs> our current mayor in Milwaukee, if any politician ever steps in front of you and says, here's the answer, I got it, I got it, you listen with a skeptical ear because there is no one answer, there is no overnight solution. Unfortunately, the city is facing problems that have evolved over time, and it's going to take time to turn it around. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 
Jeff is out. He'll be back tomorrow. Took a couple days out late last week, off day for the MLK Day holiday, and uh, Jeff will be back tomorrow. So Anticipate his return to the airwaves uh, on t- Tuesday at noon. Okay. I'm going to turn things around for just a little minute. So, Scott, the first half hour was so down. Well, I, it wasn't so much down. I think it was just realistic. It was just some realism there and the frustration. And if you're not, like I said, if you're not frustrated, if it's just malaise, if it's just apathy, that's, to be honest, that is more alar- uh, uh, alarming than being upset. Because if, if you still, if you still care about something, if you're still angry about something, if you get upset, if, if there is an emotion that is evoked by news, by commentary, if you feel something, that's good. At least you feel something. If you go, meh, Warris is talking about crime in Milwaukee. All right, let's see what else is going on in the radio dial. If that's your reaction, that, quite frankly, is more disconcerting than being upset about it. But, but, um, 2022 optimism for the new year is still something which is, I guess, in some ways kind of surprising. Optimism is still something that Americans, surveys show, have in a majority. There are still more Americans than not that are optimistic about the new year. It always... It it always kind of baffles me that you will have situations where people can list all their complaints and from the from COVID nationally and internationally to their own individual problems, and yet if you were to ask people individually, personally, are you more optimistic for this year, let's say, than not? People will say yes. Yes. And I think a lot of that is the controllables, people feel that regardless of what's happening, let's say, in their city, they will feel themselves a sense of optimism, hope, going back to our conversation earlier, that that is at a level you wouldn't think is true. But it is. People are themselves more optimistic than not, even those who consider themselves skeptics like me. Glass half empty, glass half full. But people overall are more optimistic. And as we embark here a couple weeks deep, we're already halfway through the first month of the year, by the way, you realize that? There is more optimism than not individually. And my question is why? What has you more optimistic? Americans overall are more. What has you more optimistic than not in 2022? Despite the challenges... You can be thinking, how in the world are we supposed to be optimistic in 2022 when you have the pandemic raging, when we are a divided nation politically, when we have issues dealing with crime and whatnot? How in the world are Americans optimistic? That's my question. That's my question for you. 855-616-1620. My theory As I said a moment ago, my theory is that when people are asked whether or not they're optimistic, they look inward first. They they look at their own lives. They look at their own situation. They look at their own 
immediate environment, would you say? Their immediate surroundings. The controllables. Like, if, if you were to ask me, Scott, are you more optimistic or pessimistic in 2020? I, I'm, I'm with you on the optimism spectrum. I am. Because I think, well, my own personal situation, life, career, what, what, whatever it might be, I can control that. And if I can control that, I think I will make better decisions than not. I think by the time December 31st of 2022 rolls around, I will be in a better spot than I was December 31st, 2021, in any number of ways. And that is what? That's the sunny side up perspective. That is the optimistic perspective that I think Americans have as a whole. What and why is, I should say, what makes you more optimistic than not this year? Because that is the case. That is the reality. Now, you may disagree with it, but that is the case. You know, it's really weird, too. 855-616-1620, AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 855-616-1620. It is really weird because on that right track, wrong track poll question that you see every once in a while from from the Marquette Law School poll to national polling, it's, is America on the right and of late, if you've noticed, we think we are nationally on the wrong track. But individually, we're more optimistic. And I've never understood quite where those two intersect, except when it comes at the very, very individual level. It's us controlling what we can that gives us that optimism. So why? What is your theory on that? Why are you optimistic as we embark here on 2022, despite the problems? Pand- I mean, if, if you said, I'm not, you could certainly have a, a whole list, as long as your arm, as to why. But there are reasons for being optimistic. What's yours? 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It's true. Surveys show it. Numbers prove it out may not feel that way, but if you think about it, it is the case. We'll take your calls and your texts as we continue. Scott Warrison for Jeff on a Monday afternoon. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Scott Warris sitting in for Jeff. He'll be back again tomorrow. And before the hour is out, talking optimism. Talking optimism. Somebody said, optimistic about what? The economy? The Packers? My love life? <laughs> my job prospects? My health? Look, it could be any. I, I texted back. So is that a yes? Look, it it could be, it could be anything that gives you some degree of hope. Talk about hope in the first half hour about uh, you know people in Milwaukee who have found some degree of crime or illegal behavior the norm, and they don't know anything different. What could what what could help the city? Well, it's getting those those pockets of the community, those individuals, some hope, some hope that there's something better, that there's something different, that the norm around them, the normalcy that is so wrong in reality is not right and give them hope. Well, for everybody in 2022, hope provides the optimism that 
for whatever reason, in the face of adversity, in the face of a pandemic, in the face of more political infighting and strife, makes this country more optimistic than not. And you have it, too. You have some degree of hope that brings about optimism for 2022, despite all the, quite frankly, the crap that we're dealing with. Somehow, some way, you look at it and you go, of course I'm optimistic. And my theory, my belief, is that that stems from you controlling those things that most impact your life. And if you control it, you feel you'll make the right decisions, that you will make the right decisions to be better off at the end of the year than otherwise. Gianni in Montello. Hello, Gianni. Happy Monday. Yes, happy Monday. Uh, Hey, listen, I I think overall Americans um, have been um, optimistic for for the history all throughout our history in, in the United States, and I think there's a reason for that. Um, we are the breadbasket of the world. Um, we're separated by two oceans in the last two world wars, which was a big help. We have low unemployment, and we we have a strong dollar against other currencies. So um, who wouldn't be optimistic? Now, you know, long term, I, I think that there might may be some issues going on, but I think that that is pretty much um, the reason. Uh, Americans live pretty good lives, um, you know, compared to the rest of the world. We, yeah. we do very well here. I, You know, and, and that really is a great point. Um, by comparison, as bad, I'm putting it in air quotes, as bad as it gets for us here in this country, we're still so very blessed. And, and we have problems, and we have warts, and we have very serious issues that, that, that we work through and that we have to work through to get better. But you're right, Gianni, to compare it, to, to, to compare our situation to millions and tens of millions of, of hundreds of millions of people across the world. Billions, yeah. It, we are so blessed and so fortunate. And that right there is a great starting point for optimism. That right there is a great starting point for hope. If for no other reason than you can go, the opportunity to be better in this country is so much higher and the odds are so much higher than the opportunity for people who are my age in fill in the blank country elsewhere around the world. They don't, their chances for hope and thus optimism is so much so much lower than ours because of where we are indeed have you have you traveled to to other other places southeast asia or africa or or, or, or asia do, do you have you ever done i haven't uh, i have not nope I, I would love to one day i'd love to do more traveling but i haven't no i have and I have, and I've seen the abject poverty that, that exists in certain parts of the world. And my goodness, um, you know, if, if you don't come back to the America uh, loving your, 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 your passport and your, your citizenship, then uh, something is radically wrong. Yeah. Thanks, Gianni. Appreciate it. it, it he brings a good perspective. Um, real quick, real quick break, and then I'm going to um, a couple of really good texts. Uh, have come in as well, addressing the issues of our society right now, and despite all that, still staying optimistic and still staying hopeful. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Wallace.
Are you aware of the uh, rare calf that was born with three eyes and four nostrils in India? Hmm. People are showing up to worship it. The rare calf was born with a... This is uh, the news reports. Rare calf was born with an extra eye on its forehead and four nostrils sparking a frenzy with locals. Some residents of the village of a... Can't pronounce that in the district that I can't pronounce of India, claim the three-eyed calf is a reincarnation of Viswanatha, a god known for having an eye on their forehead. A large number of people flocked from nearby villages to worship the cow, believing it to be the rebirth of Shiva. While the birth of the animal, which was born with three eyes and four nostrils, was linked with the Hindu god. A veterinary doctor has disagreed. Doctors. Getting in the way of everything again. A veterinary doctor has disagreed with the comparison. The calf was born Friday, attracting large crowds of people who offered incense, sticks, coconuts, and money as per the custom of the local culture. Some say the timing of the calf's birth which was born just as the Hindu festival of harvesting started is no coincidence. The bovine's birth lent itself to locals who believe the arrival of the calf to be a religious significance. Speaking to Indian, uh, an Indian news agency, a villager said, I have never seen any three-eyed being. Only Lord Shiva had it. It is a divine miracle and incarnation of the Lord himself. Google it. Google it, yeah. Just Google three-eyed calf, and you can see the story. I have no, there's no topic from that. I just, you know, you see a headline that says three-eyed calf, four nostrils, you're clicking on it. I had a picture in my cubicle. I try to change up, pick, I've, uh, some of the shelving allows me to put up pictures and articles, and I have a rather eclectic uh, array of uh, different articles and images and whatnot. You know what I do? Every time Tony Evers is photographed eating, I take a picture, or I take the picture, print it off, and I put it up in my cubicle. Just, I'm serious. Notice how often Tony Evers is photographed eating ice cream or fo- or frozen custard. It's, it's a... Uh, <laughs> It's got to be more often than any other governor in the state. Anyway, that's that's the current theme of my cubicle right now. However, there was a, t- a time where the theme of the photos in my cubicle were odd animal pictures. Um, and I had a picture of a calf. Wasn't that in Wisconsin? It was a calf born with a human face. It, it, it was... It was very human in the way the head was formed and uh, i think it was a farm in wisconsin somewhere um at any rate that headline rare calf born with three eyes and four nostrils it's one of the headlines that 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 draws my attention and now yours too yesterday mitt romney i have no way of segueing from that to this so maybe others could i can't i don't have those radio abilities but yesterday mitt romney was on Meet the Press with Chuck Todd. <laughs> Chuck Todd has slowly, I don't say fall out of my good graces. I don't necessarily care for Chuck Todd. His, I, I don't know Chuck Todd. His on-air persona has grown less likable over the years. 
remember when Chuck Todd was simply a political uh, analyst back during the Tim Russert days. He w- Chuck Todd was like the contributor. Here's uh, NBC or MSNBC political analyst Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd was likable then. As his role has grown, as he has become a pundit, there's a certain on-air smarminess about Chuck Todd that rubs me the wrong way. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if he's like that in real life. I have no reason to think he's like that in real life, but for whatever Whatever the reason, his on-air persona is not a likable one. At any rate, I, because I know I was in for Jeff today, I'm like, all right, we've got to watch a little Chuck Todd. Let's see if we get any news. Maybe we can talk about it on Monday. And sure enough, there was some news. Mitt Romney was on there yesterday. Everybody remembers Mitt Romney, of course. And he made, I think, a very accurate statement regarding the Joe Biden presidency, and more so specifically, what got Joe Biden elected? What was it about Joe Biden that persuaded enough of the, would you say, the crossover vote or the ancillary vote? I'm not talking about the the uh, tried and true Democrats who were going to vote for Joe Biden regardless. They were going to vote for the Democratic candidate regardless. But what wanted for Joe Biden were those maybe who voted for Trump last time and voted for Biden this time, or those who didn't vote last time and voted for Biden this time, right? I mean, it's getting those voters on the fringes to vote for you that oftentimes pushes a candidate into the winning column, and that's what happened with Joe Biden. Why did Joe Biden win? What led those individuals to vote for Joe Biden? What was it that led people to vote for Joe Biden in 2020 that wouldn't have otherwise voted for him? Was it simply, well, it can't be Trump again? Maybe, probably, for a lot it was. Anybody but Trump, perhaps? I don't know. I remember sitting here, I remember sitting here and going, I'm ready for normal. I'm ready for boring. America needed boring. And that's what Joe Joe Biden brought, quite frankly. Right? After the four years of Donald Trump, for this nation to turn the page and to go to normal, boring, snooze, dull, Back to a time where every day or every week, at least, there wasn't some sort of new controversy that put last week's controversy to shame. We need to just get back into a pattern where the president isn't making news every single day, every single week, for some truly outlandish reason. Bring back boring That was the mantra. Biden, the boring candidate in 2020. I think for a lot of people, that was why they voted for Joe Biden. And Mitt Romney feels the same way. Have a listen. 
Well, there's no question, but that the nation is uh, is severely divided. Uh, President Biden said he was going to try to unite the country. Obviously, as you pointed out in the last segment, uh, his comments in Georgia did not suggest he's trying to pull us back together again. He's got to recognize that when he was elected, people were not looking for him to transform America. Uh, they were looking to get back to normal, to stop the crazy. And, and it seems like we're, we're, we're continuing to see the kinds of policy and promotions that are, are not accepted by the American people. Biden was elected to stop the crazy. Biden was not elected to be a transformational president. Mitt Romney is absolutely right on this. We want normal. We want boring. Just bring us back to zero, so to speak. And as his presidency has worn on, and the Georgia speech certainly is the most recent example of it, there is, in the words of Mitt Romney, an attempt to be a transformational president. Mr. President, from this humble constituent, this humble American, that's not what we were looking for in you. That is not what we are looking for in your administration. That is not what we were looking for and are looking for in your term, your four-year term. We don't need transformational. We need normal. We need boring. And the Biden presidency is, with each passing week, with each passing year, becoming more and more troubled. Understatement of the show. Would you not agree? But I think Mitt Romney's exactly right on this one. He nailed it. He nailed it. There was no talk of Biden being a transformational president. There was no talk of Joe Biden during the campaign, you know, creating and recreating big ideas. And while maybe there was some hope there, that's not what won him the election. What won him the election was people voting for him or crossing over that would have never voted for Joe Biden or maybe any Democrat before. But they saw what was happening with the incumbent and saying, we need to take a breath. We need a break. We need calm. We need peacefulness. We need boring normalcy. That's what won him the election. Boring normalcy. There's a T-shirt. There's a bumper sticker. But it's true. Do you agree with Mitt Romney on this one? If you voted for Joe Biden, is that, was that a driving factor for you? We just need a guy who is a veteran of Washington, yes, dare I say a career politician, who will just bring us back to some normalcy again. That is absolutely the case. That is absolutely the case. 855-616-1620. AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Feel free to disagree with me. Feel free to disagree with Mitt Romney. Maybe, maybe, maybe you voted for Joe Biden because you wanted big, bold leadership, big, bold change. You wanted transformational four years. 855-616-1620. But... By all means, what won Joe Biden, this presidency, were Americans looking at the options going, we want that guy because we just need a break. We just need a rest after a tumultuous four years. 855-616-1620 on the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you voted for Joe Biden... 
Is Romney right? Is that why? Or is it big, bold, transformational Joe Biden that you want? We'll continue with your calls and texts on WTMJ. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Well, there's no question, but that the nation is uh, is severely divided. Uh, President Biden said he was going to try to unite the country. Obviously, as you pointed out in the last segment, uh, his comments in Georgia did not suggest he's trying to pull us back together again. He's got to recognize that when he was elected, people were not looking for him to transform America. Uh, they were looking to get back to normal, to stop the crazy. And, and it seems like we're, we're, we're continuing to see the kinds of policy and promotions that are, are not accepted by the American people. Nailed it! Nailed it! Mitt Romney nailed it. There was, I, I may have missed the day when, uh, or, or or missed that particular dissertation speech, when Joe Biden was laying out his big, bold, transformational reforms and writing that narrative. Yes, he mentioned different initiatives that he wanted to, but. He didn't ride that train to the White House. That 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 was the impetus was I'm the grown-up president, right? Joe Biden won this election and and was selling himself on being the normal guy. I said bring back boring, that was my phraseology, and that's that's not the way it's going. He's misguided if he thinks that that's what America wanted when they voted for him. And you know what? It's okay to be boring, Joe. It's all right. Americans said, we need this right now. We need you to just kind of (laughs) settle everything down. We were boiling red hot, white hot. Not that we aren't politically even now. Just, Just bring back some boring to the White House. I said, I'm okay with boring. I can handle four years of boring. That's not exactly... What we're getting, is it? Um, Sarah is in Madison. We'll start with you. Hello, Sarah. Good afternoon. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Enjoy having you fill in for Jeff. Thank you. Um, Oddly enough, I agree with Mitt, and I was thinking, man, was he reading my mind? Because a couple of days ago I was talking to a friend about this, and I said what won him was everybody was tired of the the drama, and it was more like vote for Grandpa. Vote for the calm guy. Vote for the quiet guy. We'll have a peaceful time versus... Um, what Trump was offering to everybody that way. And I, I said, I, I don't think it had to do with his plans on anything. It was more like a vote for quiet Tom Grandpa. Yeah, I, I, I agree. So let me just ask you this, Sarah. When you see and hear what Biden is saying and trying to do now, you know, the, uh, the Georgia speech, you know, fresh here in our minds, what is your take on the bolding uh, i'm sorry the 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 boring uh grandpa that won the election uh grandpa's getting a little wild or somebody's <laughs> tapping grandpa's ear to get a little wild that he's, he's not he's, with that type of a path that's not what he was portraying or what i think got him elected i i think grandpa's kind of taking a little curve now grandpa's grandpa's feeling his oats a little bit Although you'd, you'd wonder why, because it's not exactly as, it's it's not to think, or it's not really accurate to say he's been riding victories. Like, I mean, if, if, if his first two years, 
two years, yeah, year and a half, whatever it is, were victory after victory, and he is just riding momentum, and he can't be stopped, and he is making friends with everybody. I could see him feeling, ah, you know what? I can be more transformational than I thought. But that has not been that has not been his presidency yet. His presidency has not been all you know seashells and balloons. Thanks for the call, Sarah. Uh, Kevin is in Greenfield. Hello, Kevin. Hey, Scott. Thanks for taking my call. You, uh, Mitt Romney, and Sarah, hundred percent right on. I, I live in a household where I voted for Trump, and my wife and my daughter voted for Biden, and they did that for the exact reasons you all have outlined. They wanted Grandpa, as Sarah just uh, eloquently put it. In the office, they wanted a sense of normalcy, and what we've got is nothing but complete opposite of that. And people are tired and they're fed up. And my wife and I, married 37 years, we don't argue about anything else. But when we do, when the news comes on or whatever, I have my opinions and she has hers, and we go back and forth all the time. So um, that's that's my that's my comment. Yeah, yeah. thanks, Kev. Appreciate it. It's. Um... I realize that when you're in that office and you have the opportunity, you recognize how fleeting the opportunity is to be big, to be bold, to be, again, the keyword, the hot button word, transformational. But how's it working out for you, Joe? <laughs> I mean, that is not why you got elected. And. I think when you recognize the problems that have plagued this administration to this point, I think even now, reflecting on his first couple years, just compared to his first couple years, I think we would take bold and boring, let alone compared to the prior four years of the Trump administration. Mitt Romney, nailed it! Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Need to check in on your New Year's resolutions. We will do that uh, after the 2 o'clock news. My guess is you're not doing well. Where's the uh, Where's the weirdest place you've ever seen somebody take a selfie? Where's the oddest place you've ever taken a selfie? I want you to think for just a second. Like, just In this day and age... Something crazy, outlandish happens to you or somebody around you or the environment in which you find yourself and more people than not. Where's my phone? I got to take a, hold on, hold on, hang on. Where's my phone? I got to take a picture of this. Yeah, but they're, they're, they're drowning. Yeah, but hold on a second. Let me just, let me just get a video. I don't know. I saw this story out of Canada. I don't know where in Canada, but there's a picture of a woman. Her car is sinking through the ice in a frozen river. She is standing on top of the car, which is halfway submerged and sinking by the second. She is standing. I'm looking at it right now. She's The woman is standing on the back of her car, like on the back window of her car, as it is nose down going through the ice of a river. And she is 
taking a selfie. To just wrap, wrap, wrap your mind around that for a minute. Residents along the banks of the Rideau River were credited for thinking fast after they used a kayak to save a driver whose vehicle went through the ice yesterday. But the focus quickly turned to the driver. Not over the rescue, but over why she had been driving on the river in the first place. Comments on Twitter indicate she may have driven north on the river from her home. And then there's a photo. Oh, there's an Ottawa. There we go. Ottawa. Ottawa paramedics also went to the scene, but said the lone occupant of the vehicle did not want to be assessed, and police said the driver was not injured. Well, that's good. Thankfully, no injuries. An amazing job by local residents saving the driver by using a kayak. Quick, safe thinking. There is her little sedan, little two-door, looks like a Kia something or other. Well, it was a little tiny car. You want you drive a Kia? No, you don't drive a Kia. It's a little yellow car that is nose down through the water, the ice, you know, breaking around it. And she is standing on the back of the car as it slowly submerges with the phone in her right hand, and she's looking up, and my God, that's a smile on her face. So she, did she do this intentionally? As she stood, the, the, the article says, as she stood on the back window of her car waiting for assistance, she was composed enough to take a smiling selfie before help arrived. The car had sunk to the point that just, as I said, a portion of the roof was showing. She then climbed onto the kayak and was pulled to the river's edge. Just think... Ladies and gentlemen, for a second, Kyle, if if your car had gone through the ice, never mind how you got there or whatever, your car is now sinking, and you get out, is the idea of taking a selfie even remotely entering your mind? And I would say no to me. Please tell me you would say no. No, I wouldn't. Okay. <laughs> I'm not the type of Thank person you. that takes a selfie when when something cool is happening or or something that's that never occurs to me. But my first thought with this is it can't be her first time getting her car going through stuck, the ice. Going through the ice. <laughs> oh darn! It happened again. That's ah, a, well, that's the only logical conclusion that I can come up with with this one. Otherwise, I don't know why you're. Wouldn't you be using your phone to get yourself rescued instead of? <laughs> documenting your death i don't i don't i don't know that's right right. death documentation right i mean look there are some crazy selfie moments out there in society um this photo is just it's it's one of a kind she's standing like like i said standing on the back of her car the back of uh, the, the back window of her car as it's halfway submerged smiling and taking a photo that's gutsy, I tell you. That's gutsy. Documenting your death. Wow. Yeah. Meanwhile, first responders and, and the, the, the neighbors and those around the river who launched the kayak to rescue her, they're risking their lives, or at least their their welfare is at risk to some degree, right? Maybe not life or death, but you want to go rescue her? No, you know what? We're going to let her stay out there for a while. Why? She looks like she's enjoying it. She's smiling, taking a selfie. Do we want to go rescue her? Well, I suppose so. Let's go do it. Wow. I'm trying to think. 
you know, I see people that talk on the phone as they're crossing the street a lot. You get a lot of people that are... I'm trying to think of the craziest spot I ever saw somebody take a selfie or something that just was a little bit dangerous, per se, and nothing jumps to my mind. I'll have to think more. I'll be more conscious of seeing that in society now. That said, if and when I ever see somebody in a river dr- drowning on top of their car taking a selfie, that will uh, that will take the cake. Huh. Somebody, a texter says, Check this weekend's volcano and tsunami on social media. People were taking selfies as the wave was rolling in in Tonga. Really? Well, that I'm going to have to look up during the break. That doesn't surprise me, though. That as the tsunami... Hey! Hey, look at this. Look look behind me. This tsunami wave is rolling in. Oh, hang on. I... We should really get out of here. No, but just hold on a second. Let's just take a picture. Boy, this is going to be great. This is going to be a great profile pic. This will be great for Twitter. It could be my new profile pic. Oh, man, Instagram's going to go crazy when they see the tsunami wave that's bearing down on me and about to kill me. Wow. Wow. It is a very revealing act. Like, that... There are people, like you can divide our country, I bet, into two groups. One who will, no matter the threat to life or limb, take that selfie because by God they realize in that moment there is a, there is a unique social media event that only they can capitalize on. People will realize and do it, and then there are the rest of us who are going to run for our freaking lives. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Now I went down a rabbit hole during that commercial break looking at different videos of people filming themselves trying to stand in tsunami waves. There's some uh, discrepancy as to the videos that have been released in the last couple days are from Tonga. Um, After the the weekend volcano, there's some pushback as to whether the videos are from that particular tsunami. I I don't know. Uh, But regardless, there are are videos of people out there standing in the waves. And more so than just holding their phone, they have selfie sticks. So their, their phone is at the end of a stick as this, you know brown wave of ocean water just rushes over shore and in some cases carries them. They're riding the tsunami wave with the selfie stick. I don't... I don't get it. I don't get it. I'm I'm with you, Kyle. I've never been one to... You know what? I think that's what... At the heart of of social media... Look out. Look out. What is he going to say now? That's the thing that has irked me most about social media, can I be honest, is that at the heart of it all, it's driven by look at me, and I don't like that. Yes, there, there's certainly good with social media and things like that, but at its core, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at its core, it survives on 
the person posting wanting to tell you about them. That's why with Facebook, too. Here's all my photos. Look at my great family. Look at the vacation we had. Here's my Instagram photo. How about this plate of spaghetti I got? Side note, I've never understood the whole posting of food pictures. I don't care. Look at this sandwich. This sa- Have you ever seen a better sandwich than this? And then you're spending time taking a picture of it before you consume it. But like at the heart of social media, it's look at me. I think in one sentence, that is what summarizes social media. That's how it started. That's what drives it. And while there are perks and advantages and, uh, I guess, value in it in some way, shape, or form, it is that look-at-me motivation that is behind every social media platform. And I think that, quite frankly, succinctly, is why I bristle at it. What do you think of that theory? What do you think of that, Paczynski? I, I think you're not too far off. I think it, you're, you're thinking of it from mostly a negative perspective, and I think that's fair to a degree. I mean, I, I think that taking selfies of, taking pictures of yourself and posting them to the internet, that it's always going to be some sort of self-indulgence, some sort of vanity there to it. But also, I think it's just personal expression, really. I mean, I think the only way that it's, intrusive or can be more seen as as a negative thing is when it's just not appropriate like i i I always like if you ever watch a packers game and and someone does a lambo leap and they suddenly pull out their phone and try to take advantage of that of that situation it's like you you got the player in your arms like (laughs) like you don't need to take out your phone to to commemorate this you know there there are times and places for it i mean if, if you ever if you ever go to like a disney world or any sort of type of theme park Selfies are happening all, all over the, the place, and it's right. it's almost to the to the point where it like it obstructs traffic, like foot traffic of people. I you know, I've always felt it in those situations, uh, the like the Lambo leap situation. Just just enjoy the moment, or whatever the moment is, Lambo leap or otherwise. Enjoy the moment, and then just share the story. Tell the story. It's almost as if people feel well. They're not going to believe it. People won't believe it unless I have photographic or video evidence of the Lambo Leap, of me standing, enduring this tsunami wave. You'll never believe that my car went through the ice in the river unless I take a selfie of myself standing on the top of my car as the vehicle slowly submerges um, underwater. And... It's the same reason why I've never been a big autograph person. I don't know if this is, you know, in the same realm, but I've always thought and I would if if you can have a conversation with that celebrity, even something brief, right? If you can have an exchange with, I don't know, let's say you you you're in Green Bay, you see Aaron Rodgers at the quick trip or something at the grocery store. Instead of asking for the autograph, have a 30-second conversation with him. And then have that story and tell that story. That's more fun. Hey, Aaron, can you sign this? Here you go. Thanks. And then you walk away and, well, I got an Aaron Rodgers autograph. Okay, fine. The, for me, the conversation has always been more valuable. I don't know if that's exactly in the same social media conversation we were having, but yeah, I, I just think uh, no, it, it's, it's the look at me that has just turned me off. You say, Scott, why aren't you on Twitter? I think that's at the core of it. I, I, it, it's all look at me, look at me. I think that 
in a lot of ways, the vanity that I think uh, is the term that Kyle used. I think the vanity, uh, self-indulgence that it is, is what has just turned me off. There. Social media. And I think it's here to stay, though. Let me just mark it down. I think social media, I think, I think Twitter is here to stay. So maybe I'll come around eventually. Probably not, though. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Morris. Final hour on a Monday afternoon. Jeff is back uh, tomorrow, noon to 3. I got you until Wisconsin's afternoon news at 3 o'clock short show with the Bucks game here coming up in a, in a couple of hours. All right. So I said it right before the newscast there. Two and three people have never completed a New Year's resolution. And 855-616-1620. I need to know the ones that worked. I need to know, I need to hear from those of you who've done it before. Because um, not surprisingly, uh, the majority of people, it just doesn't work out. It doesn't happen. But there are there are uh, a couple of things that are common in those that do work out. And I think that's the problem with those of you who have failed to do so. So 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, real quickly, 262 Texter says, I successfully did not eat any fast food or quick trip sandwiches for one year in 2018. That's impressive. I'd like to think I could do that, but uh, I don't know. When I'm working the night show, sometimes you go home and it's late, and I just 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 one cheeseburger. Just go through the drive-through. You get the two for actually get two two for two fifty at McDonald's. It's uh. Uh, Taylor River Hills. I I complete a dry January all the way to the Super Bowl every year for the last twenty years. That's my New Year's resolution. Uh huh. My 2000 somebody else now. My 2021 resolution was to lose weight. I reached my goal, 35 pounds off and still off. That's the key. I lost 35 pounds last year and I've gained it back this year. Uh feels wonderful. But there's something in all of those, whether it's losing 35 pounds, for example, whether it's you know, staying away from alcohol for a month to the Super Bowl, whether it's avoiding fast food or whatever it might be, though that type of habit, it's a doable goal. Like, that's the thing that they find. Because why is it so difficult to stick to your resolution? Because you try to give up something you enjoy. I mean, yes, okay, you enjoy the quick trip burger, but you know what? You don't need it necessarily, and so it's more easily put off. Or the goals were too large, too ambitious. To the person who tried to drop 35 pounds in a year, that's very doable. 35 pounds in a year, I mean, that's, do the math. I mean, that's that's a, a reachable monthly goal, let's say, let alone an annual goal. But if you say, I'm going to drop 100 pounds this year, well, great, good, good on you for being ambitious that way. But how doable is it? I'm going to lose 200 pounds this year. Okay, like is that really, is that possible? Yes. Is it doable? Uh, maybe not. And then you don't have a good support system. I think that maybe is more so for more serious type of um, 
resolutions, things like that. But give up something you enjoy. That's going to make it tougher. Bite off more than you can chew, no pun intended. That's going to be tougher. And you have a good support system. Those are all the reasons why um, it is as difficult as it is. I've never, I have never, I don't remember, I don't think I've ever had a New Year's resolution. You know, I think they they estimate, by the way, because we sit here on January 17th, and so there's probably many of you that are still going strong, or or you hit the middle of January, and now we're in that, oh, 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 it's getting a little, a little harder, a little more difficult, a little more difficult to attain than otherwise. The average person, respondent to this survey says they start falling behind before the end of the month, specifically January 29th. For those respondents, February 4th is when they expect to give up entirely on most of their 2022 goals. If you can make it through that first month, good on you. More power to you. But for the most part, you get to January 29th and that's when people start going, oh, that's right, I was supposed to work out today. When's the last time you worked out? Oh, last Friday. Okay. Well, make it doable. I just found that kind of interesting because, I mean, it's it's, it's a running joke in, in society, isn't it? That uh, the New Year's resolutions, how'd that go? So, Give up something you you don't enjoy or you realize you don't enjoy as much as you think. Make a reasonable goal. Don't be too ambitious. And make sure you've got at least somebody around you, a friend or, you know, spouse, whatever, that can, you know, hold your feet to the fire. Did you work out today? Did you go? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. Well, Go. There you go. Maybe I can be that for you. Here's what you do. You, you can email me, and then I will yell at you over the course of the year. You just email me and say, Scott, can you please remind me to um, you know, uh, lay off the late-night trips to uh, uh, McDonald's in the new year? Then I will send you. This will be my service. I will send you an email. I will send you an email every night before I leave here and saying, Hey, Kyle in Wauwatosa. Don't hit McDonald's tonight. I can be the support system. That's an offering that I have for all of you. And the 773 texter saying, I tried quitting talk radio and I couldn't do it. Ha! See, there are there are uh, resolutions that I don't mind you not being able to follow, follow through on. Like that one. We appreciate it. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Road to the big game goes through Green Bay on tap this weekend. It's the Packers and the 49ers, of course. Kickoff is Saturday night at 7.15. Can you look up what the uh, predicted temperature is going to be for Saturday night in Green Bay at 7.15? Hear this game and every playoff game right here on the home of the Packers. 620 WTMJ coverage of our green and gold playoff push presented by Annex Wealth Management. I saw some predictions last week that said... Oh, boy, that first uh, Packers playoff game at Lambeau could set a record. Uh, Maybe not a record, sorry, but could be one of the coldest. And I thought, we're still two weeks out. With all due respect to the meteorologists out there and the the weather folks, it's just, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Let's get a little closer. So now we sit here Monday before Saturday night. What's the, uh, what are we looking at right now, Kyle? Give us a look at our old weather center there. What are we looking at for Saturday night temps? Kickoff. 
Uh, for kickoff, it'll be around zero degrees uh, because of the wind chill. Oh, but so that's zero with wind chill. For for the day, it's a high, a predicted high of twenty two. So mm. we'll, um, but it's supposed to be quite chilly, quite chilly. <laughs> so, all right, but not not sub zero ice bowl type stuff. Not at least for this round. Okay, that's 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 doable. That is doable. That's when Lambeau Field is at its best as a fan. I have I have not been to many games at Lambeau in my life, but and, and one reason well, I don't have season tickets like some. Did you know Steve Scafidi has season tickets? You may have heard. Uh, I don't. That said, when I have been there and I went to a game in October of nineteen, it was pre-pandemic, and. You're not wearing all those layers, and I was still crammed in there. I I'm not a big fan of going to games at Lambeau. I'm just not. I I I, I wasn't groomed going to Lambeau all my life, and thus it's a rite of passage, and it's just what you do. And I know thousands of you do that, and that's fine. That's great. I'm happy for you. I don't. I can't. I I really won't. I find it uncomfortable, and you're squished in there like sardines. I'll never forget sitting there. And you end up sitting on an angle because you realize sitting straight, it's it's very uncomfortable shoulder to shoulder with the people around you. However, my point is this. This time of year, like playoff games, games in December, games in January, this is when that shoulder to shoulderness of Packers football is the benefit because of the warmth, right? It's it's what makes it, I would say, more comfortable than not. Because you're squished in there with everybody wearing their snow pants, oh, you betcha, and their big hunting jackets and everything. And so it's that warmth that's generated that makes it a more enjoyable experience. It's the same reason, as I just said, why... In the summertime or in the fall, when it's still warm, it can be kind of an uncomfortable experience, in my opinion, because you are arm-to-arm, shoulder-to-shoulder. And when it's September, and the game-time temperature on a Sunday afternoon at 12 o'clock is pushing 72 degrees, and you get the big sweaty guy next to you, I don't need to smell that. However, in the wintertime, you can't smell anything. But you're glad that you're shoulder-to-shoulder, and you're, and you're warm, and, and all that stuff. That is also the reason, folks... For those of you who get upset that Lambo isn't more loud as a fan base, that is also the reason for that, is that the science of it does not allow Lambo to get loud. Because as the weather gets colder and people wear more clothes, suddenly the sound, the noise, is absorbed within their being and within the bowl. And that's why Lam- Lambo Field has never been a very loud venue. Never. No. Is it louder now that they built up the, uh, what is it, the south end zone? I, I suppose so. But Lambeau has never been on that list of, oh my gosh, the deafening crowd noise of Lambeau. And teams hate going there because they're constantly dealing with communication issues and this and that. No. You hear that about Seattle. And that, again, is because of the way they've constructed that stadium. It's it's dome-like, but it's not a dome. You hear that about the, the old Metrodome because of the way it's constructed, or now U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. Of course, 
enclosed facilities are loud for the obvious reasons that we realize. But Lambo was never that way because, for one, the way the bowl was constructed, the sound, the noise escapes. And two, when it's cold and people are bundled up, the noise, the sound is absorbed, and thus it's not as... That does not mean, that does not mean, of course, that um, Matt LaFleur is not going to be exhorting the crowd, which is, of course, his hobby, in addition to coaching the football team. I said it on the night show. I'm annoyed by that. I'm bothered by it. Stupidly so. It really is ridiculous that that bothers me, that that annoys me, but it does. The man can coach, and he can coach very well. But for whatever reason, the fact that he is so preoccupied with gesturing and directing the crowd as he does, it bothers me. And I I wish it didn't, but it does. He can co. He can multitask. I realize that. Yes, I, I know that's stupid. I realize that that is one of the dumb things that I've said, and you've, I've said a lot of dumb things. But the fact that that bothers me is it's just the reality of it. But he can coach, and it will be loud, but not as loud as it could be. Science is behind it, folks. Science. Don't blame the fans. Blame science. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. No, it's Scott. It's Scott. Jeff's back tomorrow. Were you disappointed to see Mike McCarthy lose in the playoffs yesterday? Or were you rooting for, at some point down the line, a Packers-McCarthy-Cowboys playoff matchup? Um, While I think that the 49ers matchup is a tough one for the Packers, and um, I think they'll win, but it's going to be a little more difficult than a lot of people are... Uh, anticipating right now. Um, There was something sweet about that, wasn't there? Watching that kind of implode (laughs) yesterday. They have 14 penalties. I think it was the second most penalties ever in a playoff game. And But the storylines, I was debating this the other day, or the other week. Packers defeating McCarthy and the Cowboys in an NFC title game. And the storylines that go with that? Or would you prefer a Packers-Buccaneers-NFC Championship game rematch and have all the storylines that would go with that? Let me pose it to you real quick here, Kyle. I mean, obviously now we know it won't be the Cowboys. It could be Tampa yet. But all things being equal, which one would have elicited more juice for you in terms of storylines? Packers versus McCarthy-led Cowboys. And, of course, the lore of Packers-Cowboys, period. Or... Give us another shot at Brady and the Bucks. I think the answer is the Buccaneers, mm. just because 2.0, rematch, <laughs> all that. But I will say, I, I mean, I do think it would garner a lot of attention for Packers fans, more more confidence from Packers fans going into playing the Cowboys than playing the Buccaneers. Because I, I feel like the Buccaneers are going to be just a tougher team in general if, it, if we were at the conference game. Uh, but yeah, I think going into a conference game against the Dallas Cowboys, uh, I, we we would feel much more confident <laughs> with that. Um, but yeah, and, and like I said, beating McCarthy because uh, I think we've only have we played the Cowboys? Was it last year? We didn't play them this season. No, the Packers haven't played the McCarthy-led Cowboys. Yeah, yet. it hasn't happened yet. No. So yeah, I mean, I guess we'd be going in with some some juice with that one. But uh, but yeah, I think it's the Buccaneers. I you know if if for no other reason than to exercise the demons. And 
that will also bring about the people going, oh, no, he's going to do it. Brady is going to do it to the Packers again. It's going to happen again and this and that. Whatever it takes, it doesn't matter. Even if it's against uh, the Rams, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Doesn't it? it won't make it. And maybe it'll make it a little sweeter, but in the end, who cares? As long as they get there, as long as they get there, because the minute they, the minute this season ends, mind you, whether it's, God forbid, next Monday at this time, or the following Monday, or the day after the Super Bowl, which is what on February thirteenth, the next day, the day after whatever, however the season ends, you know what the conversation is? Is Rogers coming back? That's it. Even if they win the Super Bowl on Sunday the 13th, we'll celebrate that night, and I'm serious, the Monday after the Super Bowl, if they win it, and we, we'll be going crazy here, they're going to have a parade at some point, obviously, we will be discussing, was that it? Do we ever see Rodgers in a Packers jersey again? That's just the reality. And if you didn't like that soap opera last offseason, buckle up, folks, because it's going to be back with a vengeance the moment the clock strikes zero and the Packers season is over. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Getting pushback on the text line for my stance that Matt LaFleur is, uh, his preoccupation with crowd control. That's what it is. It annoys me. People are saying, look, he can motivate. He, I, I get it. I get it. It's just the uh, analogy I made was to 1999, the Ray Rhodes year. Remember, they were 500. They went 8-8 eight and eight after the Holmgren era of greatness. 8-8 eight and eight felt like 4-12. and 12. But for whatever reason, people latched on to the fact that Ray Rhodes, did not, in their opinion, did nothing but chewed gum on the sidelines. It was the weirdest thing. All he ever does is just chomp on his gum. <laughs> it was as if they they picked out that habit of Ray Rhodes to attack because that's how their frustration was manifested that year. And he was fired after one year for reasons other than gum chewing, obviously. But, yeah, Ray Rhodes, all he ever does is chomp on his gum. I didn't care about Ray Rhodes chewing gum back then, but for whatever reason, I'm heavily annoyed by Matt LaFleur waving his waving his palms, waving his arms like he's trying to take flight or something. Or, shh, quiet down. He can coach. He can multitask. He can do a lot of things at once. He has proven it. All right, home stretch of the Wagnerless show. Make a little time for this. Thumbs up, thumbs down on Arby's. Thumbs up, thumbs down. I find okay, thumbs up. Kyle gives thumbs up. I find Arby's to be one of the more polarizing fast food restaurants. People either love Arby's or they detest Arby's. There's not a lot of. Uh, it's either love it or hate it. I thumbs up, thumbs up to Arby's. If you like spice with your food, Arby's is launching two brand new sandwiches that are kicking up the heat a few notches. They are so spicy. How spicy are they? They are so spicy, in fact, that they even come with a free vanilla shake to cool down your mouth. The new Diablo Dare sandwiches. Oh, that's a good name. Are made with either... 
13-hour smoked brisket or crispy chicken. Each sandwich brings the heat from five sources of spice. Ghost pepper jack cheese, fiery hot seasoning, fire-roasted jalapenos, and Diablo barbecue sauce. The sandwiches are then topped with habanero, ghost pepper, jalapeno, and chipotle peppers, and it's all served on a toasted red chipotle bun. Oh my God, heartburn just reading that. They're going to be made available for a limited time starting February 6th, and that includes, it's only $5.99, but it'll include a free snack-sized shake. That's when you know it's hot, when they're giving you a free shake. I'll take the shake. I'll give you the sandwich. How about that? Ride sharing or taxis, of course, are uh, some of the most favorite ways to get around a new city or state that you have never gone to before. One couple's attempt to get a ride to a birthday party turned into a financial nightmare. This is a very weird story to me. And it's kind of an incomplete story, so it's going to leave you empty at the end. Margarita Becker and Chris Schlesinger visited San Francisco recently on a planned outing with family and friends. They got the surprise of a lifetime. Listen to this. Their one-mile ride, one mile, which should have been about $9.87, cost them $10,000. To make matters worse... They were not aware of the charges until they received their credit card statement a few weeks later. As Ms. Schlesinger frantically reached out to their card issuer, Bank of America, who were reasonably expected to file a fraud report to recover the funds, the bank did not help them at all. The couple was mortified because the bogus taxi charges were equal to like three months of their living expenses back home. Okay? The Bank of America response letter was this, quote, After reviewing the documentation, we found that the amount you were billed was calculated correctly. What? The cab company eventually reached out to the driver, who is legally considered an independent contractor and pays like $600 weekly for the taxi medallion, only to discover that he'd quit. He quit one week after the incident occurred. So now, Mrs. Becker is left holding the bag and trying to figure out how she will replace her wiped out savings. That's the end of the story. How is that the end of the story? That's it? I told you. I feel very incomplete. I'm sorry I have to share that with you. I don't know. I guess I can give you an update as events warrant. You'd think there would be effective recourse for being overcharged. $9.87 for the one-mile cab ride. You get charged $10,000, and you're still left out in the cold. I'm going to put that aside. And I'll follow up when necessary. I don't like the way that ended. Right, Scott! <sighs> How do you feel about people who win the lottery? Are you jealous? Are you envious? Sure, that's fair. How do you feel about people who've won the lottery twice? Jealous? Envious? Yeah? You don't like them a little bit? That's fair. How do you feel about people who've won the lottery three times? Jealous? Envious? Do you hate their guts? Mike Luciano. 
They call him Lucky. Mm. Or maybe it's Luciano. Either way. He won his latest prize from a $20 scratch-off ticket on January 6th. Since 1999, Mike Lucky Luciano has won the lottery four times. You gotta be bleeping me. Four times! 55 years old, fourth time he has scored the jackpot in his life, the third time he's won major cash prizes in the past six years. He lives out in Pennsylvania. You guys know you're thinking, was he living in my neighborhood? Does he live around here? Where's he going? I need to frequent those places. No, it's out in Pennsylvania. Last year he wins 500 grand from the Pennsylvania State Lottery. He also won 3 million in 2016, 100,000 in 1999, bringing the grand total of his winnings to 4.6 million dollars. He told a local news outlet last week, I just want to thank everybody for their texts and nice messages. He wouldn't have got a nice message from me. He purchased his most recent winning ticket on January 6th. He said, I played it for my mom. Once he realized he won, he drove straight to the state lottery office in Clearfield, Pennsylvania, where I'm sure he knows how to get there by heart to submit the ticket. After his last win of a half million dollars in January last year, he said he felt blessed to win so many times, but also admitted to having a gambling addiction. I don't know why I've been so blessed winning big three times in my lifetime, is what he said last year. Most people looking to win it just once. I know this is incredible. He then cautioned people to avoid spending too much money and going down the same path as him. People should not do what I do, he said. I don't want them to think, I mean, I'm not ungrateful, this is unbelievable, I couldn't be more thankful it's happening, but I don't want people to think it will happen to them. Hmm. So, if he admits he has a problem, still gambles and still wins, somewhere, somehow, the lottery gods are not teaching this guy the lesson he needs to be taught. If he's a gambling addict... And the lottery gods have seen that he wins four times in his life, over four and a half million in winnings. They're not teaching him the lesson that he needs to be taught. But he is lucky. He is lucky. And there it is. And I hate him for it. And there it is, a Monday Wagnerless edition of Great Scott. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Just about set to turn things over to Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Linda did bring up a good point on the text line. Uh, Scott, the big question is, how much money does he have left? We were talking about Mike Lucky Luciano. Yeah, it doesn't, um, looking back, it doesn't say, it doesn't say. Uh, Lucky's wife, Shelly, told uh, news reporters that she believes her husband has won so many times due to his giving nature. Well, yeah, he's... <laughs> He gambles a lot, so he's giving it away. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I'm sure to think. I, I don't. I can count on one hand the number of times I have purchased a lottery ticket. I don't know. Um, you know, what's funny is I was in Green Bay two Wednesdays ago when that winning Powerball ticket was sold on Wednesday. Um, I actually stopped. I forget. I think it was at a Shell station. 
or a sitco station and i stopped at a sim i needed gas so then i started in my mind you know playing the games of man what if i would have stopped at that gas station to fill up my tank instead of going to that one and what the heck i would have seen it and picked i don't know that's a step too far but no the only gambling and people don't like when i say this the only gambling that I could see myself doing with any regularity is, uh, I said this before, is the sports betting. So if and when it uh, comes to pass that they authorize it here at Potawatomi, I will be there. Um, the lottery ticket thing just doesn't appeal to me. The Even like a craps table, uh, blackjack, card bingo? game. Bingo. Well, I guess I never. You seem like you would have a lot of fun at a bingo. What does that mean? What is that supposed to mean? You're irreverent. You're fancy free, <laughs> tossing jokes around. You have a good time. <laughs> you can't. You're have not, you, ever, have you, you ever been in a bingo hall? Plenty of times. You can't be joking around fancy free. That is serious stuff. Those people are serious. They got their daubers out. They got ten cards in front of them, and they're boom, 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 boom. You know, no, you can't be. You can't be living all joking around in a bingo hall. I suppose I haven't been to the Potawatomi Bingo Hall. Things might be different at the Potawatomi. That, ironically, is the only bingo hall I've been to some years ago. It's been a while. That is the only one I've been to, and that is go time. That is serious time. That is no messing around. It's very, it is a lot more quiet in that bingo hall than you would realize. Maybe, maybe the church bingo halls are, are a lot more quiet and docile and things like that, but not Potawatomi. But that said, when the sports book comes to Potawatomi, or if I were to drive to you know Oneida or some of those other um, tribal casinos, that is the gambling that appeals to me. But I will not be purchasing a lottery ticket anytime soon. Eric Bilstead is in for John Mercure. Greg Matzik is in for Greg Matzik. Wisconsin's Afternoon News is coming up after the break, and we will get a preview.